is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That is right of the London is Blue podcast. No Brandon today, but you got Dan here along with our co-host Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Just in general, you know, we had a result. We're going to talk about Liverpool, but just how are you? It's a, it's a long week. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, I think I think we're all kind of t- on the tired side, but you know, we have an international break coming up uh, next week, uh, an extended holiday in the U.S. So I'm I'm very excited about that and excited to talk about this match because there was. A lot to unpack, a lot of layers, if you will. Well, usually Chelsea-Liverpool, very boring matches, which we why we had to schedule our good friend Azar Kinsella to come on and join us. And coming in from the family home in Manchester, dialing in on a little time away for with his family. Naz, welcome back. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, it's good to be back with you guys, yeah. Um, usually when I do my trip sort of to the northern grounds, I, I kind of camp out in my hometown you know so i'm in salford just outside of manchester there's a dodgy train that goes between liverpool and manchester you know once an hour and the transport's not as good as down south but we got we got back after the game and that was the main thing but yeah um late kickoff liverpool um good atmosphere under the lights it was a it was a good day yesterday i'm tired too though because you know it feels when you go into these games at this time of year that the, the matches are a sideshow for the transfer window. Um, and yeah, I've been fully focused on the transfer window until about an hour before kickoff when the team news came out. So um, yeah, a little bit tired from the old, you know, Chelsea beat grind reporting um, and also another player entered the Premier League, but I've forgotten what his name is, but uh, this week, so that was quite big. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was a big game. And uh, that's what we almost forgot until it kicked off and then and then the passion and emotion flew. Well, we will get through all the passion, all the emotion, maybe even talk a little bit about uh, the transfers. You know, we, we have to talk about, of course, Tuchel's men showed determination to face adversity and salvaging a point versus Liverpool. The impressive performances of players like Azpilicueta, the birthday boy, Christensen, Mendy and others to salvage that point. And then, yes, we'll even spend a few minutes to rage against the machine uh, known as Anthony Taylor, Taylor chaos agent. And uh, maybe we'll talk about, you know, one Chelsea player who's left in the past 24 hours that we want to say a fond farewell to but before that we've got three word match reviews and typically i would read them but look brandon isn't here so i gotta ask nick to hold up his end of the bargain and really it's more because the second one i think is just right up your alley in terms of a three word match review i can't say that one (laughs) mr thurman knows i can't say that one come on come on man uh all right so bitter boogie live our pool ref see so that's cool um i like that one uh, Mr. Thurman's, I won't say out loud, but he used some, some naughty language in there about Anthony Taylor um, and a dinosaur reference, which is pretty cool. Um, Jeremy 8-8 with picture assistant referee. <laughs> I love that, by the way. That's so good. Uh, then Kate 10 to Tango. That's very good. Uh, a classic, you know, you see this every time we play Liverpool, the I walk alone uh, little graphic where we're stabbing the bird with the lions it's a graphic one uh campaign against chelsea uh, an old Mourinho uh trope uh is by nathan vance football opinions comes with freeze frame failure sure and then ollie glanville friend of the pod statement lockout that's a good bunch you know there were Not a lot bad. of 
there were a lot of fuck Anthony Taylors. And so, uh, look, mm -hmm. I'm just going to say thank you to everyone who submitted that. It was the overwhelming favorite. If we ran a poll, it would have won. Yeah. yeah, by a mile. Yeah. Um, so we've got ours as well. I almost went with VAR data cap because we only saw two images on the screen, <laughs> but I went with built Tuchel tough because this team, like he said, is a team that nobody wants to play against. Nick, what did you have? Early test passed. Uh, oh. I, I think it, it, I said this last week. I hate when these big matches are like the second or third game of the season because neither team is really fully operational at this point. And, and all that. But, you know, that being said, going to Anfield, coming away from, uh, with a point, knowing that you don't have to go back there in the league for the rest of the season. Good with me. All right, Naz, round us out. What was your three word match review? I had, I had two ideas, but this is the first one that I'm not really going to go with. But it's a fucking disgrace. You know, did he hit drug for doing that? <laughs> Remember, I'm surprised your guys didn't come up with it, you know. Um, Henning of Rebo, a referee I interviewed um, about that game. A uh, very interesting chat I had. Um, so that just sort of came into my head. But no, I think it was defense wins titles. I think that um, there's an NFL coach that said said that, um, you know, attack wins games and, and defense wins titles. So that was kind of my thrust of my article after the match because I think Chelsea did send a message to the rest of the league. I mean, this was a bigger point than the three points against Arsenal for me, the way, the way it was done. So... I think that it was a it was more of a message than either of the other two games that came before it and brilliant performance and defense wins titles. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to get into that match just a moment, but we got a couple of quick gratitudes we want to get through. We want to thank Eric for joining us on Patreon. Come join us on Patreon because we have a wonderful chat. You get merch discounts. There's badges. Uh, Brandon went to the mailroom and sent about a couple hundred backlog stickers and badges that he needed to get out so uh if you haven't got yours about to get yours in the mail and apple podcast we had more apple podcast reviews yes. right? chris 22 from zambia cats for days z who also referred to us as a jacuzzi for their ears we had decamp 59 from the u.s bain 3333 from canada flores baseball 2 jorit john meyer from the netherlands a chairman of the dutch blues What's so if up? you're a netherlands or dutch chelsea supporter you should get in touch with them charmed cork from the U.S., Mark Wuyong Cho from Korea. We had FTGOD from the U.S. We had Chelsea David from the U.K. We had Durnkant Jack from the U.S. We had Juji SKS from Sweden. And then a bunch of random F-U-T-C-Y from the U.S. All five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Helps people find the show. And uh, if you haven't done it, uh, this is a good time to do it right now. You know, uh, if it's right safe, now. if it's safe to do so, you know, if you're driving a car, don't do it. But think about doing it afterwards. Hey, we've got a match. We played Liverpool. No surprise. We mentioned about 500 times already. The date was uh, this last Saturday, August 28th, 2021 in the Premier League at Anfield. The scoreline, Liverpool and Anthony Taylor won. Chelsea won. And Naz, you were telling us this is the first time you've actually made the away trip to Anfield. So tell us, as people who have not made that away trip... What was it like? Yeah, so it was um yeah the last stadium really out of the you know established Premier League clubs that I've been to you know usually there's one or two promoted clubs that you get every year, um, but Liverpool was kind of on my target list. But every time I applied for my accreditation, the first choice goes to Neil Jones, uh, the Liverpool correspondent for goal. Second option for me, and Liverpool always just let one in from goal, so it's like knock back, knock back every time. Um, and eventually now they've started letting two in from goal, so maybe. I'm doing something right because uh, 
they're finally letting me in at Liverpool and I can I can say that. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, they're also, um, you know, just trying to get more reporters who who do like a lot of work like me. I'm probably a hardworking guy, I would say. Um, so yeah, they let me in. It's great. And um, I got a terrible cheese sandwich down there, but let's not talk about that. You know, we've got the Premier League food back and, and Chelsea have kept the standards high, to be fair. But the, the food that the journalists get in most of the other clubs is quite bad and Liverpool had been good before the pandemic and now they're they're terrible. Um, and yeah, uh, but other, other than that, I mean, I didn't even get offered a bottle of water when I arrived, but eventually got managed to source one um, after walking through Everton Park in Liverpool, 40-minute walk from the train station. It was about 25 degrees, sun was shining. Um, the, the only thing I wanted was a bottle of water and I couldn't get one at, at Anfield. But other than that, great stadium, great atmosphere. Um, you know, the, the Chelsea fans were on top of it as well, but the Liverpool fans right on top of the ref. You know, you hear you'll never walk alone. And a little bit, that is the challenge of Anfield, really, and especially in these evening games so that, you know, it's a 5.30 kickoff um, and, and you go to Liverpool and... and and things can turn against you. And that's kind of what happened at Chelsea. Um, you know, that atmosphere does help sway decisions, perhaps. It does help, you know, put pressure on on decisions and stuff like that. So Chelsea went up against that and, and teams have folded under that pressure. But no, this Chelsea team didn't. And um, yeah, it was a good experience. I would, you know, recommend for football fans everywhere to try and experience all these different grounds. They're all great in their own way. But yeah, for Chelsea to step up to it, like Tuckle said, one of the great challenges of football and, and it's a good Liverpool team as well. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, that that's part of like, you know, the atmosphere and ambience of the day that I had. And um, I was just glad because I'm a bit of a completionist as well. It's a bit like Pokemon cards. I want to catch them all. So, uh, yeah, when the cup draws come out, I want Chelsea away in the Championship or League One clubs. That's what I'm after. That's what, you know, I get excited about. So, similarly... You're going deep into the Pokemon catalog now. You're going for like the, uh, you know, like the last generation. You're going into the new oh, regions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just buying packs and getting swaps all the time. I need to get uh, need to get the rarer ones. Oh, all right. Well, hey, before we get into the lineup and other things, we just want to give some highlights so that you can remember the match. Probably not hard to do. Uh, we want to thank the Fifth Sand app for giving us some of this audio to share with you. We'll let you listen to that, and we'll be right back. Big Rom's in there. How about with the Chelsea. flick? It's yes. Near post flick headers. So dangerous. Chelsea lead at Anfield. Kai Havertz with another big goal to add to that growing collection. Lukaku has got the better of Joel Matty, but this is Mason Mount, and it's still Mason get Mount. Mason's done really well to get anywhere near the goal, but he's shot, he's dragged it. Captain's making friends in the middle. That's a better delivery. It's really dangerous. Matip has hooked it back. Alonso's headed it off, and Matip's in the bar. Mane, Jota, unbelievable. Didn't go over the line. How they didn't score that, I don't know. That was frantic. Well, can have a look at going it. to have a look. Yeah, I think he'll see that right arm coming forward it, after it's hit his thigh. But it's hit the thigh, but it, does, it, I mean, it literally movement? stops the ball going penalty. in the net. It's a penalty. You see the right arm movement of the right Oh, and what? a red card. He can't call that deliberate. Surely not. Salah scores. He was in there, Salah, and he was onside. Henderson shoots. Well, he did that at Stamford Bridge, exactly that area of the field, and he found the top corner. Again, we're giving the ball away cheaply and can't afford to do that. Fabinho tries from distance this time, and Mendy makes yet another save. Van Dijk. I'm not so sure playing out from the back. He 
That's a good hit, isn't it? That's a good hit. Alexander-Arnold will get there. And that's brilliant defending from captain Aspilicueta again. Liverpool trying to turn the screw here early in the second half. It's Mason Mount. Aspilicueta. Alonso's arriving fast stick. He's going to get there too. Lukaku oh. blocked by Matip. Kovacic onto that loose ball and he's kept on running. Kovacic, chance. Might have taken a piece off Matip on the way through. It's in towards Jota. He's going to blow. Bravo, Chelsea. Ten men for 45 minutes, one point. But in context, it feels bigger than that. Liverpool won, Chelsea won. All right, Nick. Again, no Brandon here. Run us through the lineup. Basically, copy and paste. Uh, Sands one change. So, Mendy between the sticks, obviously. Rudiger, Christensen, Dave uh, as your back three. Alonso, Jorginho. Ingolo Conte enters the fray for a small period of time. Uh, Reese James uh, as your midfield four. And then uh, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Big Rom uh, up top. And that's your, that's kind of what seems like the established 11 now. And, uh, you know, we have, we have some, uh, some items to talk about with a couple of those folks, but, uh, you know, other than that, pretty decent, uh, subs, Kepa, Tiago Silva, who entered at halftime, Ben Chilwell, Mateo Kovacic, who entered at halftime, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, Trev Chalba, who came in and played uh, a nice little role at the end there, which is great to see. Hakim Ziyech, Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Odoi. All right. Well, that is uh, quite the bench to have. Uh, bench many in the Premier League would be envious of. Top line stats included Chelsea having 34, almost 35% of the possession to Liverpool 65. We had three shots on target to their eight. Uh, we had six shots in total to their 23. 589 touches, their 894. 370 passes, their 684. 27 tackles, hard tackle on Chelsea to their 15. 33 clearances to their eight. We had three corners, their 12. Two offsides, their nil. We had two yellow cards, their zero. We had one red card to their zero and then four fouls conceded to their 13 fouls conceded and you'll just recount that they had no yellow cards or no red cards i find that to be odd dan i wonder what happened there <laughs> it's a very odd ratio hmm. uh, and then the xg map from uh, kelly graphics just that the liverpool got a bunch of shots off at 11 versus 10 but never really broke down chelsea's defense rough sum 1.3 plus a penalty to 0.6 and the score being 1-1 and the random stat uh, just a little uh, little recognition for Cesar Aspilicueta, 300th Premier League appearance on his birthday as well. And he moves into the fourth time ta- fourth overall table for Chelsea for Premier League appearances, which is quite the milestone. Well, I mean, it's incredible. What, what a servant to the club. What a leader. We talked to him, if you'll remember, uh, all the way back for his 200th appearance uh, at Chelsea all those time years flies. ago. Man. And... Uh, <laughs> And yeah, just just really happy for him. It looks like he has some sort of maybe some sort of German chocolate type cake. I can't tell. It looks like pretty a pinwheel almost. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to tell. But he deserves all of it. He's a wonderful leader. He's a wonderful captain. And uh, long may he reign. He gets the upgrade of a cake for the three hundredth and us for the two hundredth. So yeah, uh, yeah it's the a cake's real, a be- it's a far there. better job from Chelsea. Yes. All right, well, we had XG, we had lineup, we had stats. Uh, Naz, before we jump into our talking points, any one of those that you want to pick out and just dive into? 
I just think that the stats are a little bit skewed by having 10 men. So, you know, if you if you cut off the stats at half time, then it would look a certain way and it would have looked a lot different. And it was almost like there's two different matches were played out in that game. So, um, yeah, it, it, it kind of, you know, you need the context, don't you, really, with that one. But, yeah, lineup, I, I felt a bit of a pang of concern. I thought Chilwell was going to play um, just because of the intensity of Liverpool. Um, and, and when they started the game, you know, you felt that intensity, but Chelsea got a foothold. Um, so, yeah, Alonso, though, he's really stepped up in this period. So it is, it, it, you know, justified. But I just thought Chilwell might be favoured. And I think as the season goes on, Chilwell will engineer his way back in um, over time. But it's good to see that Chelsea have depth. And uh, like you were saying, when you read out that bench, I was like, wow. And, uh, you know, I just think that's it's great options. I think it's better than Liverpool's bench, which means a lot in this title race. Uh, and I would just quickly add the fact that Fabinho, after 19 fouls in a row, couldn't get one yellow card. What are we doing here? Uh, like, the, it was so obvious that he was the guy sent out to do tactical fouling yesterday. Nothing? We got nothing? We, we didn't even get a count for how many you've done? On, like... Uh, Anthony Taylor, we, who we will talk about later on, uh, not at first, completely lost this game. He lost control. So that's all right. It. Well, let, let's put that in the back of the freezer because we are going to get to that one. We'll we'll let it. We pulled it out. We'll let it thaw because we've got other things to talk about first. We want to praise our team for how they handle it because if we take a look at the difference, say almost year makes. We're going to round round up here, but September twentieth, twenty twenty, Chelsea are playing at home versus Liverpool. Andreas Christensen gets sent off for a last man challenge by Paul Tierney after a VAR review in the forty fifth plus one minute. Sadio Mane goes on to score a brace, scoring in the fiftieth and fifty fourth minute. They secure all three points. Fast forward. It's by the August. Way, that's definitely a red card. It was a hundred percent a red yes. card and a stupid challenge, right? No one can argue. Cool. Okay. Fair. Okay. August 28th, 2021, Chelsea are playing away at Anfield. Reese James is sent off for a handball penalty after checking out a JPEG on the pitch side monitor. But this time it's different. Chelsea emerge from halftime, resilient, defiant, and capable of defending a point to take back to London. So just in general, like, I mean, more maybe from the, the side of uh, the supporter, Nick, and trying to offer the how this is different how this is different a year later to have this resiliency, to have this dominance, to be able to defend against in the face of adversity. Let's, let's throw some praise. Let's throw some praise in the boys. Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a excellent, hardworking, dialed in performance. I, like, there's just no other way to put it. Uh, I think the difference in the two, in the two scenarios is in one scenario, Chelsea were not European champions, and the other scenario, they are European champions. And the confidence that that gives this team is apparent. Um, you know, you had a bunch of players doing double time in, in the second half yesterday. Liverpool were pressing. I mean, they, they pinned us back for a lot of the second half, and they never broke down. You know, even though Marcus Alonso is not the best one-on-one -on -one defender uh, against Mo Salah that you'd ever want to see, he didn't back down. Uh, you know, Rudiger, uh, Thiago Silva, incredible second half, and, and Christensen all did, you know, workman-like jobs uh, to, to keep that thing tight and compact so that there weren't spaces in behind. And, you know, I will tell you, uh, the player I came away most impressed with in that in the second half was Kovacic, who helped break press and helped get us out of sticky situations more often than not. And, 
you know, I think again, for an injured N'Golo Conte, for him to come in and have a really great performance when we were in tight spaces a lot and he had to kind of wriggle his way out, which he is, he's want to do. I thought this was just a, it was a marker to say, all right, yeah, we clearly don't have, you know, the best case scenario here. Uh, when we did, we were dominating by the way. Uh, but uh, when, when we have a little bit of bad luck go our way, it doesn't mean that we're going to crumble um, under the pressure. And I think previous Chelsea teams to, to the point that you were making, Dan might have let in three or four goals in that second half. So I think the fact that this team showed resolve and resilience and, I think kind of relished the challenge a little bit. You know, I saw a couple of rise smiles from Rudiger after he stopped Sala. A couple, you know, just like, nah, you're not, you're not going to get by me. You know, uh, that that was all fantastic to see, and I think you know probably tells you a lot about the character of the team. So Naz being there, getting a chance to witness the transformation one half makes, and <laughs> the way that Tuchel manufactured this, much like Ethan Hunt uh, rappelling down into a room, hovering above lasers, and figuring his way to get to the other side, and then extract himself perfectly. Tuchel got it done, and I think you even tweeted about it being some inspired subs. So maybe kind of talk us through just that the transformation you witnessed from the first half to the second half, and really how those subs, I think you know, and Kovacic and and Silva really kind of changed things. Yeah. So when the red card happened, I was just getting my head around that, and then you saw Thiago Silva warming up. I didn't really see Kovacic warming up, but he was, you know, Thiago Silva was in full kit, and I was like, oh, he's coming on. Interesting to see what he does. Um, and I expected Kante to come back as well. So you're like, oh, he should be okay. Um, he wasn't. He hurt his ankle in a challenge, um, had to come off. I don't think it's serious, but it was um, enough to take him off a pitch at that moment. Another another moment of adversity to take on. You know, you're losing one player plus another, really, because Kante counts as two. So, uh, yeah, but then Kovacic came on and really, you know, earned his, you know, his keep. And I think that Chelsea can boast three top, top midfielders. And I think that sometimes goes under the radar a little bit with, you know, when people want to see transfers, they want Saul. But, you know, Chelsea already have three top midfielders and, um, you know, it's a great luxury to be in. Um, and yeah, you know, this change of shape. So what Tuckle did was he put Thiago Silva in there. Back five, it's pretty much a flat back five, you know, covering the space, making sure Liverpool... You know, when you have the fullbacks, you know, in a back five, the, the fullbacks are further out, you know, because there's three centre-backs, there's, you know, gaps between them as well. And that stops people crossing the ball in the box. And that's what they kind of did. You know, if you are going to cross, cross it from deep, not from the byline, you're not getting in behind us. Um, Chelsea sat deep most of the game, of course they did, and they didn't keep possession, but they kept be possession better than most teams do in that scenario. So it did change the game, but... Chelsea had enough about them to break the press and, and Liverpool's press is better than pretty much any team in the world. It's up there anyway. Um, and you had a midfield three, so Mason Mount stayed on the pitch and he changed his position from a forward to a midfielder. And then Lukaku was a lone striker. And for me, Lukaku is the best in the business at that job. Like, I, it would have been nice to see Timo Werner come in late on. Like, I would have loved that just because of his pace in behind. You know, you never know. A long ball, Fernando Torres moment against Barcelona could happen with a Werner. Um, he'd probably miss the one-on-one, -on -one, but yeah, he'd get in there for sure. Um, come on, no. come on, dog. That's my job on the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. I, I jumped the gun there. <laughs> um, but... But um, I think that with five substitutes, I think Tuckle would have done even more. But, you know, with the substitutes he had, he needed to keep that backup one just in case somebody pulled up and, and Jorginho covered 11 kilometres in that, 
in that game and he covered more than anyone. He came off for Shaloba. Um, great vote of confidence for Shaloba. Mm-hmm. So the way he managed it actually was brilliant. Um, he couldn't really have done it any better. He couldn't have done it any differently or he shouldn't have done it any differently anyway. Um, and then, yeah, and then about the, you know, about how Chelsea got over the line to keep the point, it was, yeah, great defending. It was, you know, non-negotiables, you know, in terms of work rate, which is what Tuchel establishes. I mean, he's sub players on and sub them off. So these guys know he's not a soft touch. Like, he might be a nice guy, he might be cool um, and, and stuff like that. But the second you annoy him, you're getting hooked. It doesn't matter who you are, he's hooking you. So... These guys knew what the you know what it means to be a Chelsea player, and all this you know this standard setting, um, plus the heart of the team, plus the way they communicate, the way they like each other, they suffer for each other. Even the players who are not in the team, you know, they they help each other out. This this team spirit combined with those non-negotiables in terms of quality and, and work ethic, they led to Chelsea getting an unlikely point. And I thought Chelsea were going to lose. Like I, I I thought that was the game done, um, and the fact that Chelsea hung on. Uh, and the way they celebrated afterwards showed what an achievement it was. And I've been in teams where I've been under, you know, pressure in the past. You know, I played a bit of football myself, um, and I can tell you that's a great feeling, even in a even in a low level match. Never mind on the on the biggest stage at Anfield when you've had the fans on top of you all game. So um, yeah, it, it is it is profound. It is important, and uh, I think that it was a, a really great point, and it does send a message down the league. So. Those are kind of the factors, and that's kind of what I wrote about after the match. Just kind of like, you know, there's the tangible stuff, the work rate, and what Tuckle does behind the scenes. But there's also just that heart, just the fact it's a great group. And one of my favourite moments in the match was the second half when um, Marcos Alonso and Kovacic broke out of a press in the in the corner. There, Marcos Alonso cross field ball to Mason Mount. He had no right to oh. even complete that pass. Um, and then and then Mount sort of just hung on to it. Aspilicueta came from deep, he ran a long way just to put a ball in the box. Alonso somehow had another sprint, far post, heads it, Lukaku almost scores. And I mean, Chelsea were creating, and also they had a Kovacic chance as well, who can't finish. But um, they, they created decent chances in that second half, uh, two chances, which Liverpool didn't really create a chance. Um, and, you know, I think Liverpool got what they deserved and, and so did so did Chelsea. Um, if anything, I think Liverpool got more than they deserved and Chelsea got less than they deserved. I think I think that's a really interesting point when you talk about the, the you know two or three breakouts that Chelsea had from the from kind of the deep lying uh, block that they were sitting in. There was also one where it was uh, Rom was taking the ball down the left hand side and I, I forget who he had on the in the middle, but he could have made a pass that would have sent someone in on goal one-on-one with Allison, and he didn't quite get it out from under his feet in time. And he played it in front. It might've been Kovacic or, or someone, but it was just like, Oh, you're, we're so close to just one little thing, maybe breaking our way. Uh, but you know, look on the day, if we, if we were rewind to the first half, which was, you know, the half where both teams had 11 players. Um, thanks Anthony Taylor. Uh, I think the, the overwhelming sense I got from that first half was that Chelsea are just as good, if not better than Liverpool. Um, you know, and I, I, I know that first half was a little chaotic at times. It, you know, it lacked clear passing patterns. It, you know, it was gig pressing for both teams uh, who were just trying to give it to each other, which was kind of fun to watch. But it was, it was so clear that Chelsea had a, more convincing 
midfield that they that Fabinho had to go and play the role of of kick the shit out of you, um, which you know I think is a really great place for Chelsea to be kind of moving forward because you know Firmino is not the player he was a couple of years ago, and Salas had to do everything to carry that front line. Chelsea scored off of a weird looping header and probably could have had two or three more in the first half if they would have finished their chances. So you, you could have been looking at in a different world, a different scenario where Anthony Taylor does not exist, um, where <laughs> Chelsea's up a lot uh, and, and we're cruising in that game. And that's really interesting now because I picked Liverpool to win the title myself. Like I, I thought they were going to be the best, most complete team. And to be fair, Virgil van Dijk had a great game, but I don't, I don't know if they have the sauce anymore. That, that's, that's kind of where I left it. Well, we have a attack now that's just learning to play with one another. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that we saw a couple of times in this match. We'll take a deviation here real quick before we put some more praise on some of the defenders that made the second half happen. But Kai Havertz, Romelu Lukaku, and Mason Mount all at times chose to shoot when they should have passed and chose to pass when they should have taken the shot on. And I think to me, that's just the learning to trust each other, learning to trust that they can play the ball into space. There were playing times Lukaku was putting himself into a lane where, you know, if it gets to him right, he's going to be able to bury a chance. There's times where, you know, Lukaku needs to pass maybe to others, uh, but you also don't pay a hundred million pounds to have a striker, you know, passing in the box. You want him to take the shot. And so, you know, I think maybe Naz from the perspective of watching, that interchange in the first half between Lukaku, Havertz, Mason Mount. I think, to me, there's a lot of promise there in what that attack is going to be able to bring, but it's just a matter of they're still, they're the orchestra in the first or second training session, right? They're they're still learning to play with one another and hit all the right notes at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was quite great to watch, actually. I think um, some Chelsea fans expected a little bit too much of the situation because I was watching the front three and I was thinking, they're having a pretty good game. I mean... I think Havertz was probably the weakest of the front three, but he scored that beautiful header, and it was a great, great goal. And he's just a he's just a great player with that touch of quality. But I thought Mount was actually really good. You know, the the touches, the turns, beating people. Kante was getting involved in the attacking three as well, and and sort of, um, you know, there's loads of counter attacks. It was basically Chelsea absorb a bit of pressure. You know, they hit them on the break quite quickly. They were they you know this front three were quite quick, quite sharp. Mount looked quick and sharp and, and you know, well-rested. Um, and he hasn't always been like that. And then you had um, sort of like, you know, Havertz and, and Lukaku were quick and physical as well. So it was just a case of the final ball so often. There was three moments really where Chelsea could have gone 2-0 up. There was the Mount one where he, he shot instead of crossed it. I thought Lukaku picked a wrong final ball that was there was quite a simple pass to Havertz, but for some reason he chose the mount pass. Um, and Kante wasted one as well in the game. And those were the, like three moments that could have so easily changed the course of this match. And, and you know, even if you did get a red card you at 2-0, you, you, you're thinking you're more confident to, to, to get the win. So, um, yeah, I just felt that, you know, Chelsea were brilliant, though, in that first half. I thought that, um, you know, the the way they absorbed the pressure, I thought they were the better team. Um, yeah, I think, like Nick said, midfield, um, I think that they were in, in control of the game um, really well. Um, and, yeah, I think we, I wasn't surprised either because I expect a lot of this Chelsea team. I think they're really good players. I think that they shouldn't be scared of Liverpool. And, actually, it's sort of a... 
it almost feels like the players have had that mentality adjustment almost before like the fans and, and almost before a lot of like the media as well. I think that, I think that there's a bit of a delay there um, and in, in the expectation around Chelsea and Tuchel has been quite clever in keeping it under wraps as well. But for me, my expectation couldn't be higher. I think this is a, a wonderful group. I think that Chelsea have luxuries that other teams don't have on the bench. Like Hakim didn't even come on and I think he's an amazing footballer. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like um, the choices Tuckle's making with the front three. Um, I think that it's the right three to go with at the start of the season. And I thought they were amazing that first half, showed what's possible um, and then showed something else in the second half, um, which was grit, determination and, and teamwork. Uh, I just uh, w- one last note, um, because I think that is a really good parlay into the leadership thing. Uh, friend of the show, Dane Whittle, uh, who, who we see, when um, we go over to London. Uh, well, also a, brand new grandfather as well. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Really, really wonderful to see positive things in terrible times. He had a he had a uh, wonderful tweet yesterday that said, we've been crying out for more leaders and players with the you know what's. Uh, so just remember, Lukaku was over to Henderson in a flash to give him an earful when he was trying to give uh, Mendy a hard time after the penalty. Right. Uh, he said, Romelu just gets it. And I love that he's finally home. Yeah. I mean, Hendo backed away pretty quick uh, when when Big Rom came over, and and I think that's probably a sign of one a little respect, but two just a, a mismatch of size and and strength. So I mean, that was a that was a really cool moment and something that you know I think may maybe went under the radar after that crazy could I, time. Could I jump in on that point? Because I think it's a really interesting point. I've got a good good anecdote about this. Is that mm. um, Liverpool when when Christensen got sent off at Stamford Bridge? Um, uh, you know, at halftime and, and Liverpool won that match quite comfortably. Um, I remember being in that stadium, there's no fans and and you could just hear that the Liverpool players were so much louder, Klopp was so much louder. They were on top of Chelsea, on top of the referee and, and that's the way, you know, these big teams are and Chelsea, yeah, you're right, they're, they're starting to have that. There's there's four main leaders in that starting lineup with a with a sort of asterisk on another one. I think that Rudiger, Aspilicueta, Lukaku and Jorginho, massive leaders. And then you've got Matt Mason Mount, who is one of the you know best up-and-coming English leaders as well. So you've got like sort of a four plus one there um, of, of great leadership. And I think that that's, that's something that Chelsea can really take into the season. Did you also note that every time Anthony Taylor made a terrible call, which was a lot in this game, that Chelsea switched off who was talking to him? So you, at one point you had Dave and Jorginho and then Big Rom would come over and they would leave so they didn't get in trouble and then they would swap in, like Mason would come over. Yeah. Go rewatch that. It the is Rondo funny The Rondo drill with Anthony Taylor. It seriously <laughs> was. It was funny. And I noticed it right away because it was odd to me that Dave would always be first over and be very, you know, in your face. Jorginho, obviously the same. And then Big Rom would come over with his hands behind his back and just try and calmly talk to the referee. Then Mason would come over. It was funny. It was really good. Oh, well, yeah, there was uh, quite a bit, but uh, I think Tuchel has come good on his promise to build a team that nobody wants to play against. And this side, stubborn as hell, absolutely defiant and 
just a bunch of, you know, we talk about our shithouse awards at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of contenders in the running for that mm-hmm. award. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to throw some more individual praise before we bury Anthony Taylor on the latter half of the episode. But we want to thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right, just a little bit of housekeeping, too. We got more pods coming this week. We got Matt Law coming in, a little bit of transfer deadline special there. We've got the women's season preview that Nick will be recording later today, which Mm. is very exciting. WSL kicks back up just as the men go on international break, so it's perfect. The Chelsea train does not stop. And look, we might have a potential player profile or two with an emergency pod because somebody gets signed because that's just what we do. We're kind of a little crazy about it. But let's talk about the players who are already here. Nick, your boy, the man, the legend, Cesar Aspoqueta, as Brandon would say, in honor of him not being here, had himself a day. Had himself Cesar, a day. <laughs> Cesar Aspoqueta, uh, most touches, 79, most passes, 53, most clearances, 9, joint most tackles, 6, putting in a captain's performance for the Blues. Wax poetic. Yeah, and uh, uh, countless miles run going to Anthony Taylor <laughs> during the game. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look. He not only started off as a center back and moved to wing back when, of course, we you know had to make a couple of subs at halftime. It was just so clear that in the midst of chaos, to me, the most impressive thing about a leader is their ability to get everyone aligned and organized. And and he was one of the guys, as Naz previously said, that was doing that yesterday. I, you know, it would have been really easy for Chelsea to lose their collective shit and and you know go down a dark path. And I think. When, when you see a captain's performance, that that to me kind of symbolizes everything that that he is. Um, that yeah, he's he's fiery. Yes, he was in Anthony Taylor's face, and and rightfully so. But he also was organizing organizing the second half uh, like crazy, and was making sure that him and Christensen were in a lockstep. You know, when Christensen moved over to the right side, and you know, beyond the stats, which were wonderful, I just you know his character is unbelievable. Uh, another one which uh, you tweeted about as well, Naz, was the man of the match, Sky Sports man of the match, Andreas Christensen, the Danish prince with 54 touches, winning three out of five duels, 29 out of 36 passes completed, seven clearances, three interceptions, one shot block. And Chelsea have only only allowed two goals in his last 12 Premier League starts. Andreas Christensen work himself into a undroppable position in this Chelsea team. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't like uh, begrudge him that. I think that um he's underrated, massively underrated player in football in general. I've always thought that and like, you know, even when he was in his bad phases, I was like there's a defender in there. Um and yeah, he's going to sign a new contract at Chelsea as well and um you know, he loves the club. I know for a fact that he's one of the guys who really feels Chelsea through and through. He might not be from London, um but he He's just he's just become a Chelsea fan. He just feels comfortable here. He wants to stay here. And um, you know, I I know for a fact as well that he's turned down like even the chance to talk to clubs who who might be interested in him, try and turn his head. That he doesn't even want to, you know, entertain the idea of moving to another club. So Chelsea have a defender that really feels the club and also is very good. Um, so it's a it's a wonderful thing. And I think he should be appreciated. I think he should be at the heart of of what Chelsea want to do. And yeah, Tuchel has really helped take him to the next level. But I don't think he's done that much to help take him to the next level. I just think he's given him confidence. And that's all he needed. He needed a run of games. He needed confidence. But everything that he has was was already within him. 
You know, he was the best young defender when Chelsea signed him at 16, you know, pretty much in Europe. The, you know, people were scouting him and he had more interest than, than almost anyone. Um, Chelsea won that competition amid it, you know, loads of loads of different clubs to get his signature initially. Um, and almost the fact he's been here so long, he's kind of underappreciated, but there's still another gear for him to go into. Um, and I think that he's he's sort of getting into that that sort of, you know, level that we should expect of him. Amazing at the Euros as well. He can do it in different teams. Of course he could, but he wants to do it at Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, I think that, yeah, brilliant. I mean, there could have been many man of the matches, but whenever Christensen gets man of the match, I never argue about it because he's probably missed a few man of the match awards that he's deserved but over the over the years and days. And, and, you know, if there is a problem at Chelsea as well, he can play all three centre-back positions. And I know a lot of people think he's way better in the middle of it, but I think he proved at the end of last season, he proved that wrong, that he can play on the right side because, you know, one of the best you know Chelsea performances last season was a win away at West Ham. And he played on the right side of that centre-back, uh, you know, three. And he was absolutely unreal in that match. And, and West Ham are not easy to play against, as, as Leicester found out the other day I was there. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that he's a he's a great player. And, and, and uh, it's exciting. It's a big signature. OK, everyone wants another centre-back who might play in a hot part of Spain um, and in the French <laughs> national team. But also appreciate the guys you've got um, because he deserves it. Uh, I would just give a special shout to um, Tiago Silva coming in off the bench out of the cold. I hadn't seen him since he got hurt in the in the Champions League final uh, in a competitive match. So, I mean, that was just again just kind of shows you the character and, and resilience of of that player who is who is not on the on the younger side of thirty five. Yeah, he's quite the uh, the vintage you can uncork. That is just mm. oh, okay. We want to pour out some class. We're just let gonna it, uh, bring Thiago Silva back on. Mm. <laughs> it's just insane. I mean, it's really insane when you think about the quality of defenders that Chelsea have at the moment. And yes, you know, we've talked about the center back crisis where Chelsea have a lot of players coming up on the end of deals. But, you know, I think there's the confidence now that, you know, Naz is instilled in us. And, you know, I think the general consensus around Christensen signing into a deal, most likely as P staying on one year deals, as long as he wants to be at the club and he's getting the time and the opportunity. Rudiger may be the biggest question mark, but I think you know, the, the the Rudiger turnaround is also phenomenal as well. Just the the way he leads from the back, the way that he closes down on players, the moment at the very end of the match where both Aspi and Rudiger went to ground at the same time. Uh, just like the 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 professional moves to counter what maybe was a frustrating day out, uh, which... I, I did go for my my due diligence. I did go read some of the Liverpool uh, Reddit threads <laughs> on this, and they were just as frustrated with the officiating as we were. Crazy uh, enough, but theirs was on the. I can't believe they're getting away with killing all this time. We should have more time. We should have been able to have a chance. Well, that's oh, rich. That's rich coming from them. Um, I will say that's an early entrant for shit house moment of the season. Um, and so let's just mark that one in our memory banks because that was uh, hilarious and well done. Well, and, and another leader as well, Edouard Mendy, making six saves, mm. six saves at Anfield against Liverpool, most in a single appearance since joining Chelsea in any competition resilient. Look, his penalty stopping game has not improved, but I did appreciate him getting in Mosal's face right beforehand uh, just to try and play him off. I think that's almost impossible because Salah is just so automatic with his penalties, but he had another big day out too, Naz, and is showing 
you know, that really Chelsea's recruiting from him was spot on. And he just continues to find new levels, even when he hasn't had a shot really to block in, uh, you know, a couple hundred minutes of football <laughs> beforehand. It's almost like if you have a sporting director who's a legendary goalkeeper, you, you sign a, a great goalkeeper yourselves. Yeah. Um, shock. <laughs> Yeah, shock. Uh, yeah, it's big, a big surprise. Big surprise about how well he's done. Actually, to be honest, he also won UA for goalkeeper of the year recently. Um, I didn't know how good he would be. You know, I think everyone had a bit of a question mark, but Chelsea's due diligence was spot on on this one. Um, they knew that this was a guy making the, perhaps the biggest step up of all Chelsea's recent signings, but he's he's taken it to you know it took to water and and yeah, he's got a bit of competition there with Kepa as well but yeah busiest game so it's interesting to see that he can save uh, the ball because he doesn't have to do it that often he's he's quite sort of quiet I mean under Thomas Tuchel he's had quite a an easy time of it really um so yeah he kind of earned his salary this this week and um yeah I don't think that he had like the the ultimate save it wasn't his best save amongst it because I don't think Chelsea still gave that much away but nah. yeah he's always there and um I think that I think actually the biggest compliment I can give him at this stage is just that the defence trusts him and he's part of that, you know. So, you know, when you have a guy you can trust behind you, it gives you confidence to defend better as well. And that's what happens. Well, and I, I think the Fabinho save was was good. Um, you know, he had to get he had to get down for that one. That was a, a well-hit ball. But again, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, to your point, there wasn't a whole lot else where you're like, oh, wow, that really troubled Chelsea. I mean, obviously the penalty went awry. Um, you know, that whole situation with him and Marcus Alonso not being on the same page wasn't the best moment of our season uh, because that should be the goalkeeper's ball every time. And there just needs to be better communication there. But um, other than that, I mean, it was, again, that was a self-inflicted error. Um, that wasn't the other team uh, doing much to, to cause that. So I, you know, I'm just so confident in him and the rest of the defense right now that, for for six to be the number that's the most he's faced is not a high number, <laughs> um, you know. That's the crazy part. Oh, he's uh, uh, they might have to pay him less per week. Look, we we really made this job. If we put it on easy mode, so um, you know we're just gonna have to think about uh, the next wage package. But anyway, Anthony Taylor and the VAR sanity. We've put it off long enough. We we figured we would get all the positive vibes injected in this possible before we flip the script a little bit. But uh, Naz, as you tweeted, Tuchel accepted it was the right decision, but ta wanted Taylor to look at a moving image and take longer deciding because that was the rapid fire type of move to walk over to the monitor, see half a frame and, uh, you know, make the decision and go uh, change the course of the game. And so uh, maybe as it unfolded from a neutral perspective, uh, <laughs> You can offer your assessment before we uh, uncork Nick and the powder keg here. Yeah, I mean, the powder keg was exploding while I was just trying to get my head around it. I like read the rules back again and again to try and get my head around whether this was a, a right red card or not. It felt wrong. It felt wrong to me. Like when I was looking at it, it felt harsh. It felt wrong. I felt sorry for Reese as well because I think what he did was natural and it also hit his thigh. Um, so I do think he made a movement to it and you can see that. But I think that it was natural because when the ball kind of comes at you like that, you're just trying to get anything in the way. I don't know why I'm doing it on a podcast, you know, the actual <laughs> movement. Um, but there we are. 
Uh, and, and yeah, I just just all felt wrong. But then, you know, you did look at the rules and you're like, yeah, maybe it was right, but it just still feels wrong. Still leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's, you know, the way it was done as well um, and all that. So I think Tuckle got it spot on, but it's funny watching his press conferences because he, he kind of, you know, the way it works with these press conferences, he does TV first and he goes through all the TV channels and he does all the radio channels and he does the newspapers last. So I think by the time he got to like the written journalists and newspapers like me, um, he was kind of like more calm. He'd kind of like vented his frustrations and said a very diplomatic answer. And I think that that, that point, that was the right point. When the emotions subsided, I think that it was the right point. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I don't think there's an anti-Taylor conspiracy. I think the bald men need to be given a better time because, the, you know, it does hurt. It hits deep when bald men get hammered, you know. Um, so, yeah, but... But I can also see, you know, that Chelsea fans feel it's wrong. You know, the fact Reese's band feels wrong. Um, I mean, I've even heard there was a, a piece written by Miguel Delaney, my friend from The Independent. He said that maybe we should look at giving, um, you know, ending red cards for these moments and just giving the other team a goal. Um, but, you know, just end the red card. Don't even have a penalty, but just say, right, it's a goal for the other team. The person who shot last, he gets a goal. It's a goal. Um, and that could be a solution to this problem because, yeah, it did wreck the game. It did wreck Chelsea's game. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just it wrecked the spectacle a little bit, um, not taking anything away from that second half Chelsea performance. But it wasn't entertaining to watch like the first half was. The first half was great. It felt like the bubble had burst. And the only thing that made it better from a Chelsea perspective was Chelsea playing so well with so much heart. But I think that that moment felt like um, very deflating and it felt wrong. But... You know, when you look at the rules, I think, you know, it might not be right, but, you know, you could justify it within the rules. That's what I would say, you know, uh, just to be because I know a lot of people listening to this will be very angry still. I mean, Anthony Taylor is not going off the hate list anytime soon, is he? But I think Nick no needs Christmas to cards for him. <laughs> no, Nick needs to jump in now and explain what I think a lot of people feel, because I don't think I'm explaining what people feel, but I'm just being diplomatic. But I think Nick can probably summarize what the feeling actually is. Yeah, I, so there are four things that I was thinking about yesterday as it as it happened, right? The first was just, was this an intentional handball to stop a goal? I think is my, like, number one consideration. And I could be naive. I could be the most naive boy in the whole land. But I think when the ball ricochets off your leg and you're looking ahead and you're not looking at the ball to make a movement it, to me, it would seem very hard to understand how there can be an intentional handball on the line, given the fact that you don't know where the ball's going. Um, now what, what Naz was doing on the podcast on the audio podcast, when he was moving his shoulder uh, toward, you know, where the ball was going that, you know, that natural movement that Reese had, you know, I understand if some fans are watching that and going, Oh yeah, that's a handball, Nick, you're, you're an idiot. How could you not see that? It was a handball, like it hit his hand, right? There was no doubt about that. I think the intent matters, and I don't think there's any chance that when the ball goes off your thigh, whatever it was, your quad, and ricochets in a direction where you can't see it, you know, I don't know. It seems like a really, really harsh red card. The second point is Anthony Taylor has a history of bad calls against Chelsea, uh, most in finals, but this one was just a regular Premier League match. So thanks for saving us the, the trouble uh, on that one, Anthony. Uh, the third part is he completely lost control of the game yesterday. I mean, it was 
it was kind of a, it ended up being kind of a dirty game. There was a lot of fouls that weren't given. The home fans were really upset when Chelsea would get a call of the, of the six that he made, um, you know, whatever. So I, I think there is a, just an overwhelming sense that he doesn't give Chelsea a fair shake when he referees. And that's a really hard thing to overcome if you're, if you're a ref, right? Like, because the only other way that you would solve that problem is by giving Chelsea a bunch of calls. And you don't want to do that either. Cause that's not right. <laughs> it's not the way the game should be refereed. But I think every Chelsea fan walked into this game going, Oh, Anthony Taylor's refereeing something terrible is going to happen. And of course it did. Like it was, it was horrible. And the fourth thing uh, is just kind of a funny thing. Um, Joe Tweeds tweeted out a, a reference to Casemiro, uh, who plays for Real Madrid, uh, slide tackling a referee yesterday. Uh, I don't know if this was intentional or not. It seemed intentional by watching it. But again, it's hard to judge intent uh, on a TV or a JPEG. Uh, but I think there could be a scenario where Anthony Taylor referees again, and maybe one of our guys accidentally and by no intent clips him a little bit, just lets him know that they're there. That would be kind of fun. Um all being said, I'm, I'm really disappointed in him and his refereeing performances uh, overall. I think that he's a really bad referee who wants the game to be about him. That's the way I feel about him. But I, I understand the other point, having seen it back a bunch of times, having seen the rules. I just I think it's incredibly harsh. Uh, you know, this the, the one that everyone like harkens back to is the Suarez Uruguay moment where he volleyballs it out of the net. Right. Like that. That, to me, is an intentional red card. You stopped a goal with your hands up to try and deflect the goal out. I think yesterday's was not close to that scenario. Maybe I'm using that as, like, the harshest version of, of the law. But, yeah, I think it was hard. Yeah, but just to jump in on that, if it if you stop a goal, even if it's not intentional, that team is still denied a goal that should have been a goal by a hand. So. Right. Um, I think that that's why I would mention the sort of like you, a penalty doesn't isn't equivalent to that because the goalkeeper has a chance of saving that penalty, um, whereas it was a certain goal. So the only way you could rectify it in the rules would be to just automatically award a goal for that scenario and not give a red card um, in in that in that situation. So you could do that, but it would like re- involve like a huge change of the rules in that in that regard. And it doesn't happen that often in football matches, but when it does, it it. It changes the game. It should have changed the game, but it didn't change the game as much because Chelsea were good. Well, yeah. it's it's called double jeopardy, right? The scenario that Chelsea were in yesterday where you have the red card, you have the penalty, the penalty gets scored, and now you're down the man, right, for the one action that should have just been the goal? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's you can call it double jeopardy, but sometimes double jeopardy shouldn't happen. But in this case, I think you're allowed double. you're allowed a double double punishment so um rightly or wrongly that seems to be and it's not the good kind of double jeopardy either for jeopardy fans back home (laughs) well jeopardy is a mess already unto itself so we won't get too far into that one but I, i think the larger point remains that even in adversarial conditions whether it's uh another team whether it's match officials the fact that chelsea walk away with a point the chat the fact that chelsea were defiant had resolve were mentally tough had, had a fortitude that we have not seen in this team for a very long time this is shades of some of the tougher Mourinho teams that just were hard nosed, that were not willing to concede, that were flying into tackles. 
that is the thing that I take away and I am happy and full of promise that this team is just going to be an absolute nightmare for teams to play. And even when the tide goes against us, even when, you know, the individual moments will pop up that will change the tide of a game that this team can actually respond, can rise to the challenge, can take the punch and keep on going versus teams maybe in the past where we've just wilted. You know, we, we get the first punch in the mouth and we can't stand up. This team is not that at all. This is the Chelsea DNA that we've been craving for and looking for in a side. And so uh, it makes me more excited for the season, actually, to see the way that we responded today or yesterday. All right. Anything else we want to mm-hmm. talk about in this match? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to jump on that Chelsea DNA point because I keep trying to write this piece for goal and um, they kind of like, knock me back a little bit on it, but I, I want to say my piece on it. But the Chelsea DNA thing, that's something Tuckle's really deliberate about. He he he's really interested in the history of like Chelsea, the recent history, all the greatest title wins, you know, Jose Mourinho's titles, built on defense, um, you know, Antonio Conte, that Champions League win, the sort of suffering in Barcelona under Roberto Di Matteo. It's all built on defense and it's all built on and on that sort of solidity. And maybe Chelsea at times have wanted to be something they're not, like be like Barcelona, be tiki-taka. You know, Maurizio Sarri wasn't popular for a reason. He didn't identify with the Chelsea fans. But Thomas Tuchel understands that Chelsea fans don't mind. You know, they just want to win and they just want to win in in their own way. They don't want to be like everyone else. They want to be like Chelsea. So that physically dominant player that John Terry was, that Frank Lampard was, Michael Ballack, Didier Drogba, those are the kind of players that they really admire. And, and Lukaku is exactly in that mould. Um, and he also loves Chelsea. So that's another double whammy. So, you know, this Chelsea team is trying to win on having its identity, um, you know, doing it its own way. And and there is suckle tactics that are, are bespoke to him that are different. His methods, some of them are a bit eccentric, but at the heart of it, there is, there is a discernible blue sort of Chelsea heart that you can see. And I think that that I find that really interesting. It's not done by chance, you know. Tuchel really is engaged with that. He really cares about that, and um, you know, you just see it by the way you know he listens to different departments as well at the club. You know, goalkeeping department on the penalty situation in the Super Cup that would have been Hilario's touch. You know, a guy's been at Chelsea for a long time. Petacek, the data analysts who are probably all English guys. A lot of them probably love Chelsea or love the atmosphere at Cobham um, and, you know, the, the fact he's got Cobham coaches like Joe Edwards in and around it as well. So um, there is there is a tuckle element to it, but there is also just a Chelsea element that he's bringing in. He's managing this club different to the way he managed PSG. He's managing this club like he's managing Chelsea, not like he's managing PSG uh, before it. So it's very interesting to see that he cares about that kind of stuff because you could easily discard it and other managers in the past have not really cared about this stuff, but Tuchel, he does care about it. All right, well, I'm even more excited now. We're going to get to the day of the match real quick and uh, the league table and then get you out of here, Naz, because we know United are kicking off here and we want to get you a chance to see that. Uh, Anyway, Mendy wins with 42%. It was Christensen after that with 34%. I did throw Thomas Tuchel in there because I think he deserved a little bit of extra recognition for the subs at 18%. And then Azpilicueta, the birthday boy, finishes with 7%. Didn't win the day of the match, but he got a cake, so I think he made out ahead. Uh, League 
table as it stands. Tottenham on top with nine points. Craziness. Uh, West Ham having scored 10 goals. 10 goals, most in the Premier League, tied with Manchester City at seven uh, in second place. Chelsea also in seven points in third place. Liverpool also in seven points. Fourth place, Everton, City, Brighton, Leicester, Brentford, United, uh, who have not played their match fully yet, uh, round out your top 10. And then in the relegation zone, Wolves, Norwich, and yes, Arsenal. Arsenal on three matches played. Oh, man, the Amazon documentary is going to be so insane. Uh, But before we end this one, we just want to say a uh, fond farewell and a goodbye to Kurt Happy Zuma. Seven and a half years later, he is leaving Chelsea to go across London to West Ham. Naz, as you put in the tweets, Chelsea are going to get paid by West Ham 29.8 million pounds. Looking to get Kunde in here, but, uh, you know, Kurt loves Zuma. It's a bittersweet moment, as you said. And, uh, you know, look, he's getting uh, getting an opportunity to go apply his trade elsewhere. Yeah, he is. And, um, yeah, it feels sad because, you know, I think he is good enough to be a Chelsea guy. And I think he's a great player. Uh, maybe better in a back four than he is in a back five or, or three, three, four, three. So that's probably where he suffered. Um, you know, he has his weaknesses, but he has his unbelievable strengths. And he's one of the best in the world heading the ball like he air zoomer i remember i was writing about him at, you know at the start of frank lampard's season last year air zoomer dominant high scoring defender in the league um you know winning the aerial duels great partnership with uh tiago silva john terry absolutely loved him as well um great in the dressing room happy guys middle names happy um i've interviewed him as well and I can vouch for his uh, personality brilliant personality um, I think that there was a lot of respect for him there and um, you know I think the fee is okay you know that Chelsea brought in but I think it's probably slightly better for West Ham because it's quite rare they get the opportunity to sign a defender this good and he'll, he'll carry on being good in the league and yeah I think the fact the only thing that makes Chelsea fans happy from this situation is that they might be signing an excellent defender in his place. But, um, you know, I think that he he will get huge respect all the time from Chelsea fans and they'll continue to show him love and rightly so. Yeah, I, I mean, brilliant. Naz, that was, that was perfect. I, I I know all of his uh, physical attributes. I've, I've had a, a spirited discussion with some folks on Twitter last week when it was, you know, kind of seemed like he was out the door that, this basically signals that Chelsea are stuck in a in a three back for the foreseeable future because he is by far our best defender in a four back, um, and and that's you know, kind of not even close to being um, arguable to me. I, I think that uh, this is now the future. This this three four three or three five two. Um, and look, I don't know if you can find a better locker room guy than him. You know, I, I, I think that that will be a loss that's felt uh, in the locker room, obviously more than on the pitch because he's not playing as much right now. But he is a wonderful guy. He's fought back from adversity. And, you know, that smile never left his face the entire time that we were here. Uh, he's also uh, memorialized in gift form for one of the greatest goal celebrations ever after Maddich scored the, the pile driver uh, at Wembley against Spurs. And we'll always have that as a memory. But uh Fairly well, Kurt. Don't please don't score against us too much, uh, per normal Chelsea uh, sale rules. 
that'd be great. No, I, I will uh, end on saying that Kurt Zuma was the first player I had the privilege of watching uh, live score at Stamford Bridge in a Premier League match. It was back in 2015, in the 2015-2016 season, one of the few wins that Chelsea had in the Premier League, but it was Kurt Zuma in the 53rd minute, a header and uh, long may they reign against every side against Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, it's not, uh, you don't wish necessarily West Ham well, but you wish Kurt Zuma well because he's a Chelsea guy and we we want to see him do well. So that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for staying a little bit longer on this episode, but we appreciate it. Naz, get to the pub. Get out of here. Enjoy yourself. Uh, not wishing tons of luck to Man United this season, uh, nope. but you know what? They're probably going to do well, so we'll just have to grin and bear it. Yeah, well, you probably have a better manager, so that's one thing. <laughs> well, we probably you guys have a better manager. And hire Antonio Conte. So that's, uh, you know, that, that, no, they'll Dan, happen stop in December. manifesting stupid shit. Killing me. <laughs> God damn it. I just can't say it outright, but you know what I think. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll have fun. It's great to be on the pod, guys, and stuff. And uh, yeah, cheers for getting up early for me while I... Well, I just uh, get ready to go out now. But yeah, I'll speak to you guys soon. Have a pint for us. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.